Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. God made me punch in the accurate numbers yeah. My castle won't crumble nah. What I tackle will fumble yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it But now my feet is up. up According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs yeah. Big says sky is the limit I look down on the ledge I push the bar like I'm opening a cell Hands in my cookie jar You won't come out with a single nail I need all of mine The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like Mansa Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king Heavy is the head that wears the crown I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. king. Alright, man. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King Podcast. I am your host, Jay Spencer King. And I am back. It feels like a long time since I've done it, even though I did it last week, but it just didn't feel the same. I wasn't in my little space with my whole little setup. Shout out to K-Gun for holding me down last week. But, uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Our boys, hey, they didn't do it. (laughs) They didn't do it. I thought they was going to do it. I thought they was going to do it Sunday. They didn't do it. But that's okay. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a lot. I have uh, three special guests joining me today. My man, Brian Bowers, is already in the comments. He's going to be joining me in a little bit to talk. We got uh, my man, Charlie Gross, from Built in Buffalo. I've been saying I wanted to have him on for some time. He and I, a lot of times on on Twitter and on social media, we kind of butt heads about a lot of the takes about the bills. So we're going to talk to him a little bit, kind of get a back and forth going. And then we got my man. We got John Fina, the man himself joining me you know he's gonna come in now we both enjoying this arizona's you know the the good weather and all of this stuff like that but um we haven't really gotten a chance to kick it he gonna kick it with me tonight on the code of conduct so we gonna have a real good time tonight uh before i bring everybody in though i did want to have a little bit of time to just kind of talk to you myself just kind of address some things so the first thing that i really want to talk about is i want to talk about josh for a second i know we all love josh we all love josh and I'm not going to say anything that makes it feel like I don't love him. So y'all don't have to beat me up. Y'all can put your your swords away. Y'all can put your guns away and all that stuff. Josh, whether or not he's going to be MVP, whether or not he earned MVP, whether or not he's the best quarterback in the league this year, whether or not, regardless of whatever criteria most people want to come up with to, to anoint somebody MVP or say that somebody is 
uh, MVP worthy or a candidate of MVP or anything like that, regardless of what those, regardless, right? Sunday, Josh Allen showed me, if he has not shown me before, he's shown me that he's the guy I want to be the quarterback of my team for the foreseeable future. If he didn't show me anything else, if he didn't show me anything else, he showed me that he's the guy that I want to have on my team when the game is on the line. And I know some, some people are going to be smart, you know, smart about it. Well, well, Spence, how can you say that? He didn't win the game. No, he didn't win the game. But guess what? At some point, the score was like 24 to 3. At some point, it was at a point where people were like, you know what? I don't even want to watch this game no more. One of my friends, I'm not going to say his name because he's part of Bill's Mafia, so I ain't going to get on him. But one of my guys in the chat was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and switch and watch this Will Smith doc on Hulu or whatever it is on. I don't even know what Will Smith is on right now. But he got some some docu-series on. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go and watch that. And it got interesting, so he came back to watch it. Now, real Bill's Mafia don't do that. I'm throwing shots there at my guy. I'm not going to say his name, but he, you know who you are not watching the bills because you thought they was going to lose and they lost. They lost. But one of the things that, that made me proud is, is the way they fought and they didn't give up. A lot of times um, you see teams when they're beat, you see teams just be beat and you can see the body language and the way they're walking on the field in between plays, the way they're kind of interacting with each other. You see all of that. You see all of that. My man, Joe Miller, shout out to the voice, says it wasn't me. No, it wasn't Joe Miller. <laughs> it wasn't Joe. It wasn't Joe that, that kind of gave up on him. But I know Joe was down there in Tampa. Joe was down there with K-Gun, and, and there was a whole bunch of people. Everybody was down there. But we saw Josh Allen put this team on his back and enforce overtime. He pushed that game to overtime by himself. And you can be blind if you want to, and you can and you can talk about like little things here and there. You can talk very specifically about statistics. You can do all of that if you want to. But what I saw was a team that stuck together and played for the quarterback. And even even past that, they played for their coach. I've been critical of, of Coach McDermott over the last couple of weeks. I know Bruce has been critical of him. There's been a lot of us that's been critical of Sean McDermott. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not gonna stop being critical of him just because the team played hard for him and they played hard for Josh. There was things about Sunday I didn't like. Again, it doesn't seem like, and we're going to talk about this with, with my guests coming up, but it doesn't seem like they straight up trust them. It doesn't seem like Coach McDermott trusts the offense. We're still not going forward on fourth and one or fourth and two. We punt. We're still not doing the things that we're used to seeing the team do last season that made us all excited about this offense. Shout out to uh, my man, David Reed says, Spence, I get you, but moral victories don't get you in the playoffs. And that's exactly, I'm with you. I'm with you. So there is still disappointment when we're talking about Sean McDermott. There's still disappointment when we're talking about um, even Brian Dayball. Yeah, the offense looked better. The offense looked better. We ended up losing last second, last play of the game in overtime, right? So that means the offense scored enough points at least to be in it. But the thing is, the entire first half, we did not look like the team that we looked like in the second half. If we would have played the entire game as if we wanted to be there, if the, if the play calling was up to par like it was in the second half, if Coach McDermott trusted the offense like he did, like he appeared to in the second half. Things would have been 
at least to me. I still have a little bit of question. And y'all know me, special teams is my thing. What the hell were we doing having both Stevenson and McKenzie in the back? I just, I just don't get it. I don't get that. Weird, right? Okay. So back to this offense. Now, I know we talked about the run game. We talked about how it's not good, and we talked about how it hasn't been up to par. But then nobody said completely stop running the ball at all. And that's what we tried to do. And then once we realize, hey, okay, we got to at least hand the ball off a couple times here. Second half rolls around. We start letting Josh Allen be Josh Allen. Now, I don't think they gave him the playbook and said, go out there and call your own plays and do your thing. But they kind of they let him go a little bit. And that's what that's what I've been wanting to see for the entire game, though. I need to see that for four quarters. I needed to be to the point now where we're, we've been saying Josh Allen is one of the top three, top five quarterbacks in the league. He's this. He's that. We've been saying that. Now it's time to see it. It's crunch time now. We just lost two games in a row. We're not sitting pretty in the playoff picture. We're seventh. We need to see the guy that we just made franchise quarterback be the franchise guy. There's no moral victories. No moral victories. But there are things that I saw that made me say, you know what? Okay, maybe, they, maybe, maybe it's time they put this thing together. And the biggest part of that that makes me feel confident about it is Josh Allen and seeing what he did Sunday. Seeing him run for 100 yards and seeing him pass for 300. Like, th- that's, th- that's the quarterback that we've been missing. But before we even get to that point, now we got to talk about his injury. We're going to talk about that with the guests, too. But there's so much, there's so much crap. There's so much crap when you're, when you're talking about this team that, that gets lost because we're the Bills. We're Bills Mafia, right? One of the things I want to talk about, one last thing I want to talk about before I bring my guests in, and this is part of where I was going. All the crap that I'm talking about here now is, is, is somewhat of this flip-floppy attitude and attention. From now, last week I talked about the local media and I talked about Bills Mafia and the fan base. Man, this time, I got to talk about some of this national media. I got to talk about it. I'm going to play this clip for y'all real quick. We're going to get into this. Then I'm going to bring my guests in. But I, I got I to gotta do this. I'm not even laughing about the Bills. I am disappointed about the Bills. I am ticked off about the Bills. That is an embarrassment, the way they handled themselves oh. in their press conference. Incredible, incredible heart and guts. That's what Sean McDermott said. And Josh Allen, super, super proud. Well, then this isn't CYO. This isn't about character development and participation trophies. You are a team that was expected to make the Super Bowl. And you're seven and six, and you're excited about coming close. They didn't show up against the defending Super Bowl champions in a game they had to have. For the second straight game, they gave up about a 50-yard touchdown run, which hardly ever happens in today's NFL. Their vaunted pass defense gave up 363 yards through the air, plus a 58-yard game winner to a receiver that was on the scout team two weeks ago. And you're super, super proud? All right. This is ridiculous. They're, the one thing they said that was right, the one accurate thing, Nick, this is who we are. This is who we are. You're, you're darn right. You are a team that beats up on the chumps. But you're one in four yes. with four straight losses Oof. against teams with winning records. 
Embar this tells yeah. me, Nick, quickly before you go, this is who Buffalo is. They are not a team that believes they're the best in the NFL or even the AFC. All right, they are oh, defeated. They're happy they? now with these little moral victories. I'm off the bill. That I was never terrible. really on them, but I'm off them. I'm off them. I'll tell you what. Be off of them. You know what I mean? We don't need you to be on us. <laughs> you want to know who Buffalo is? I'm going to tell you who Buffalo is. I'm going to tell you a couple different aspects of who Buffalo is. Buffalo is the city with the fan base that knows all offensive linemen. We know the guys on the practice squad by name. Buffalo is the town that knows the defensive players that got cut two years ago from the practice squad and still celebrate them. Buffalo is the city that has people come back to Buffalo who didn't want to come in the first place because they realize how special of a place that it is. Buffalo is a team. Now I'll get off of the fan base. Buffalo is a team that regardless if, if you care or not, Buffalo is a team that has all pro talent. We have pro bowl talent. Oh, guess what? We have a left tackle who everybody knows his name. I'm so tired of, of seeing these narratives and seeing these people come out here and, and specifically pick on Bill's Mafia because they know that we're busy on Twitter. They know we get busy on Instagram. They know that we make noise and we loud. And they know that the ratings, and they saw what it did for Nick Wright. But this dude don't even know the names of the players that he's talking about when he's discussing a game. And we're going to let this guy... We're going to let this guy who, who actually isn't even relevant in the field. Let me not, because I don't want to get in trouble. I got to be politically correct and stuff. I got a represent a network. Buffalo Rumblings. Shout out to my team at Buffalo Rumblings. Shout out to everybody. But I'm going to just tell y'all, it's time out. It's time out, man. It's time out. You're gonna, you want to talk about an embarrassment. The embarrassing thing is that you want to sit here and tell grown men who celebrated about something, basically coming back from a game that was so out of reach, so out of hand. And you want to you want to sit here and critique guys who have something to build on. Okay, I tell you what, FS1, you keep those guys, you keep Nick Wright and you keep and you yeah, you keep those guys like that. And I want to I want to hear it just like we had to hear from Nick Wright, which he still didn't be a man of his word and stand up to all the stuff he was saying after he was talking about Kansas City was going to dog walk the Bills. What happened then? Yeah, what happened then? But that's okay. We all for that. We all for that. Let me let me stop being uh, down on everything. Let me bring my crew in. I got some special guests joining us today. I got my for for the first guest. I'm gonna bring my man Brian Bowers in. It's been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, Brian. Yes, sir. It has been, man. We've been talking about this for probably a year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time we've been talking about this, and I'm like, I got to get you on, and then we just ain't really connected, so I'm glad that you can make the time to do it tonight. Um, yes, my man, uh, Charlie Gross, coming in from the Built-In Buffalo Network. What's going on with you, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be here. Man, I'm glad to have you in. Um, this is going to be fun. I can I can tell you already, if, if anybody knows Charlie, if anybody knows oh. Brian, and y'all and know me if y'all listen to the show, this is going to be fun. And then last but not least, this was supposed to be like a little surprise to, to my special guest here already. But I got the man, the myth, the legend, the, the sexy beast himself, Mr. John Fina joining me. What is up, Mr. Giant? Hey, how you guys doing? Happy to be here with you. 
Hey, man, it's a party. Your mic sounds great, man. Oh, thanks. This old thing. (laughs) You're an official content creator. That's what you are. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So listen, we we um th- this is a good panel. This is I feel like we have um you know we have four different good perspectives with four different strong personalities who all know what we're talking about when you when you when you come down to it. Whether we agree with each other on everything or not, we know what, it, what we're talking about. We got some respect for each other. So let's start here. One of the things that I want to start with is um so without being too specific about anything. And we'll start we'll start with uh, we'll start with Brian on this one, then swing it over to to Mr. Fina without being too specific on anything. The Buffalo Bills, we we just took two losses back to back. Right. How do you feel at this point of the season right now about the team and about our playoff chances or just about where we sit in, in, in relation to the rest of the league? For me, Jay, it's it's 50 50. Like, um, I think too much inconsistency from this team. Mm-hmm. To, to to feel very confident that we're going to go win out all four games. I mean, we should definitely beat the Jets. They're nobody, right? And the Panthers have all type of problem with your boy, Kim Newton, right? Um, but the Patriots game, I'm still I'm still on the fence. That's a game we can, we can either win or lose. And um, I just don't know which team is going to show up. Are we going to see the same team we saw in the first half show up against uh, the Pats? Or are we going to see the second half team we saw, you know, to me, we're 50-50 right now. We can hit the playoffs. We can, we can miss the playoffs. And if we get into the playoffs, unless we continue that momentum we had from the second half of last week's game, I don't see us doing much in the playoffs at, at all, honestly. Okay, okay. Before I swing it to Mr. Fina real quick, I got a super chat in here uh, from Triggs. I understand that McDermott wants to protect Allen. He doesn't want him ending up like Cam Luck. Until we can find a star running back for Josh Allen, he has to be our running back. Good point. Good point. Uh, Mr. Fano, how do you feel about where we stand as a team at the moment? Well, I would just echo what Brian just said. You know, if the identity of the second half team from the last game can come out and play with pride, confidence, and grit, you know, I think we got a chance, uh, you know, wild card chance right now. But like Brian said, I think we're 50-50 at this point. So, I mean, I've got I'm concerned. I want to go deep. I want to keep I want to keep getting on your show, man. The King, I want to be here with you and Joe and the rest of the Bills Mafia, but if it ends early, oh, we're all going to be sad. It's yes. going to be rough. It's going to be rough if it ends early. and and you know what? It it's um the way it's been going, the confidence has just been gone, man. Like coming into the season, I feel like Bills Mafia, everybody collectively was like, "Oh, we got this, man. We're going to run through the schedule." There were people predicting that the team was going to go like 14 and 3, some people going 15 and 2. And at this point, um we've we've doubled our loss total from last season. And you know, it, it's tough. It's tough from a couple perspectives as a as a content creator, it's tough because obviously you know, like we get when we go out there and we give our takes and we kind of put the stuff out there, we get we get the front end of it. We get beat up, you know, but then at the same time, um, look, it makes for a great season of content. It's easier. It's easier when you got stuff to talk about. Charlie, talk to me a little bit about because um, Tom Brady did Tom Brady things like he normally does. We didn't yep. really get to see too much of, you know, whether or not, at least in my opinion, and we might differ on this, but I don't feel like we saw enough to really figure out if we're going to miss Trey. How do you feel? Do you feel like looking at the defense yesterday and, and again, going against Tom Brady and that prolific offense, did we miss Trey or was it really just that, you know, it, we ran out of time at the end there because we didn't start off the first half the way we played the second half. Yeah. And, and that I agree with you. And I think that's kind of the point I made when I was on with you uh, a few weeks ago is 
it's not that Trey isn't extremely talented, and it's it's not necessarily that he isn't important, but I was just curious as to how much work the system was going to do in his absence. And I think you saw different things with, you know, I don't, I think they played a little more too deep than they normally did. I don't think they, they unleashed Poyer kind of maybe in, in the way that they have in the past, but you're right. It wasn't really that big of a, a noticeable thing. Certainly. I mean, it's in there, right? But there's four or five other things, especially with all the penalties that weren't called that kind of just make that suddenly not that big of a concern. I think Dane Jackson tackled well. I think he was extremely physical. I think he did pretty well for himself in coverage the best he could. And as far as the last play goes, I know some people will think it was maybe if Trey was in there, there would have been more communication. I mean, McDermott seemed to indicate that he wanted Edmonds to cap um, that route there. So he, he, he kind of dismissed that a little bit. So you're right. I don't think we really got to see, you know, how much they miss him or, or how much they don't in that game. And that's really weird to say when you're playing Tom Brady, right? Like, and those receivers, we really didn't, I don't think we really got a good idea of how much we miss him. And it's, that's just odd to me. Yeah, no, I agree. What, what do you think about that, John? Because that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about earlier when we were on Twitter and you're like, you know, well, let me know, send me some stuff and we, we can chat. One of the questions I wanted to have is like, when I'm watching this game, um, obviously it's Tom Brady and, and he picks apart defenses. This is what he's done for years and it's what he's going to do until he retires. Um, I, I just, I didn't quite, I didn't quite see it. Like I, he had numbers, so I'm not saying like he wasn't Tom Brady, but I just didn't see it to where I felt like, oh my God, he's just absolutely destroying. Like it felt like the flow of the game was going, but he just wasn't destroying us. Like I'm used to, you know, Tom Brady being. I agree. I mean, there's no question that we miss Trey. And and like uh, Charlie was saying, you have to make certain adjustments in his absence, but there was no glaring void. You know, there was no drop off that was considerable to the point of panic or anything of that nature. You know, the biggest, the telltale portion of this game is it just the offense didn't deliver in the first half. And it, you can't expect to hang around forever when Tom Brady is at quarterback against you. But uh, they'll, they'll have to continue to evolve and game plan in his absence. But I think by and large, I, I think they performed admirably. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you because especially, like I said, without Trey, uh, you would have kind of expected that that secondary to kind of give up some big, bigger plays. They gave up the one big play on the ground, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously the touchdown in, in overtime. Brian, what do you what are your thoughts on the secondary and how they perform without Trey? And then we can kind of move on to um, I want to talk about I didn't send this in the, the prepared questions for you guys, but I kind of want to talk about um, the run defense for a little bit. So uh, but but what are your thoughts about the secondary? Well, anytime you lose a guy like Trey White, you know, you, you're going to have concerns. That being said, I agree with John and I agree with Charlie. I think we played kind of admirably with, without uh, Trey White. We didn't give up, you know, huge plays or huge chunk plays in the passing game. And I think James Jackson was very active. He's a very active mm-hmm. tackler in the run game. He got his hands on some balls in the pass game. I think he played very well, which kind of gives me a little bit of confidence, you know, that he played that well against that quarterback with that receiving core. That kind of makes me feel good about, you know, Trey not being there, but, you know, going forward for the next four games. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no, I feel good about it. So I feel good about the secondary. And now you just said something that, that, um, that I don't want to get too far ahead. But you know what? We'll come back to the defense. I know I just said I want to. But when you just said that, looking forward to the next few games that we have, 
I don't know how likely it sounded like. Obviously, Josh was like, look, there was no way I was coming out of that game. And it sounds like he's pretty much going to try to play through whatever this foot injury is, whether I, I think it's like a, a sprained foot or a sprained toe or something like that. Um, so regardless of what it is, it sounds like he's not really willing himself to sit to sit any of these games. But I saw a couple people who I typically normally trust as far as reporting say that we, we very well may likely see um, Mr. Trubisky. Uh, so I want to start here with John. Um, what are your do you think that we're going to see Mitch? And if so, um, how confident are you as far as even though like it's, it's the Jets and it's whoever we're playing? It's like, how confident are you that if, if it has to be Mitch, uh, we can still kind of lock this thing down to, to, to make it to, to the latter parts of January and hopefully February? Well, if if he's ready to go, meaning if Josh knows now that he's out and Mitch gets the full week of prep, I think you have a really good shot. But if you're kidding around and Josh Allen has taken 90% of the reps and then suddenly on game day or the day before he's down, that's a problem. I think Josh plays. I just think, um, you know, there's there's enough time. He'll get the recovery in. It doesn't seem to be severe. And I think it'd be hard to keep him out anyway. So yeah. I, I think we see, I think we see JA 17 for the game. As a former player, is it really, um, is it really that big of a deal? And I, I mean this from the most genuine and most, um, I guess, naive place as a fan. Uh, Cause we always hear about like, yeah, if he gets the full week of practice as the backup quarterback, it matters. My, my question is Mr. Trubisky has been a starter in the league for years now. He's, he's, he's had reps. And, and he's been in the system now for the full season, basically, and he knows the playbook. Do you really think it matters uh, if he gets the full week of, of reps in with the players or is it just because you mentioned it? So that's why I'm asking is that I, I just always thought like these guys are pros, man. Like they know the playbook. No, I, I think they do. Uh, Brian, I don't know what your opinion is, but uh, you just you know, you get a, it. It's more than just dropping back and throwing the ball and making the reads. It's the, the kind of community brotherhood thing that you develop during practice, you know, nudging and and BSing and doing that kind of stuff when you're on the outside of it, it's different than when you're in the huddle and you know, you're cutting it up back and forth and that, that builds your confidence. And I think it matters. Okay. All right. Um, so, well, let's get back to now. The, that's I not just to say, to... that's not to say he can't succeed if, if he walks, you know, into this game without taking any reps throughout the week, I think he's a capable right. guy, but I think it helps. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we've seen guys um, not be prepared because they obviously go into the game thinking that so-and-so is going to be healthy and then they get injured in the first quarter. Like, look at look at Lamar Jackson this this past weekend. Um, obviously, the Ravens didn't win, but, hey, we, we saw a backup quarterback come in and do a very – I'm talking about uh, Huntley, for those who, who aren't familiar. He came and he did a very good Lamar Jackson impersonation, and he, and he, um, he almost willed that team to a victory. So, I mean, it happens. And I guess that's why, as a fan, it's like, wait, does it really? Does it? So, but I get your point. You make you make a good point there. So, but let's let's pivot back again to back to the defense where we were talking about the secondary, and then I kind of want to talk about the run defense. And let's start with um, with Charlie, and then we'll shoot this one to Brian after Charlie. Um, so, the run defense again gave up a big play, and everybody, um, you know, everybody wants to pick on a few guys, which is fine because that you know. That's what you do. You, you notice a guy miss a tackle or you notice a guy that you feel like uh, missed some type of assignment. And, and we is, it's our job to beat up on them. That's that's what we think as fans. Um, what do you think about that run defense? And, and more specifically, uh, obviously, the big play in, in the first quarter. 
what are, what are we looking at now when we're looking at this run game? Because now it seems like we can't play, we can't play against a physically aggressive teams. Is what it seems like. Yeah, I think you know, I think there is something to the whole out physical thing um, that I think even the the Bills themselves may have brought up a few weeks ago. I think there's something to that. You, I think you need a certain attitude or you know in the run game that. I don't know. I mean, if we say Feliciano has it, I'm not sure if he really does. So I think there's something something to that. Um, certainly as an outsider, I feel like there's something to that. And I did go back and I did watch the All-22 this afternoon. Um, and from what I what I could see, um, I, I watched that run play in particular because there's been a lot of talk about the, the Bills not hitting the correct gaps and things of that nature. And to me... I think it was really a really well-designed play by Tampa. Um, I think they had most of the wide receivers to the left side of Brady. They ran to the right side, and what they really did is is they pulled their guards and ran them behind the line of scrimmage while the left tackle actually almost ran the route like a wide receiver, and he also ran to the, to the right side. So what happened is, is that you had two Bills defenders come up, and, and Edmonds was one of them. They both took on the pulling guards, and then Fournette comes through the hole, and you have Poyer coming up from his safety spot. And by that time, the left tackle had moved over and just wiped Poyer out. The Bills couldn't come back from the backside to catch up, and it's a touchdown. So I don't think anyone did anything wrong necessarily on that play in terms of the Bills, at least from you know my knowledge of football. I just think it was a good play by Tampa, and they, they won that rep, and it turned into a touchdown. You know, Brian, sometimes that happens, man. Like sometimes like and I know as fans, it's tough for us to actually fathom like, well, no, that was just a good play. They got us. Um, And and on that play, honestly, I agree with Charlie there. I just feel like, you know, the defense overall for the season. And I've been having this. I've been like literally this last week been having this argument with people because people are talking like, you know, the defense is just horrible and the run defense is horrible. and And I'm like, dude. Even against the Patriots, when you look at the yardage they gave up, but you look at the amount of rush attempts it took and you took and I know, again, you can't take out the big play. But if you're talking about averages and you're talking about how that goes, the other 43 or 42 rushing attempts, they would have averaged 3.4 yards a carry. So if it wasn't for the 64 yard play, they wouldn't have averaged five yards a carry for the entire game. So like it just I feel like a lot of times one big play makes us emotionally passionate and just like we go in. Uh, what's your assessment of this run defense? Do you feel like we're there? Do you feel like we need to kind of figure some things out? Or do you, you know, like, I I don't know, man, because you you see, you see that we have these great defensive, like these great defensive outings. And then you see stuff like this. Where are you at? Yeah. Um, To me, I mean, we've seen this run defense for the last three years look like this, like at times where, um, sorry, somebody's calling me. Um, if you think back to 2019, there was, I think, a stretch of games where we gave up 200 yards on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. And people always say, you know, we need Star Latula in there. And Star's been on the field, and we've gotten gashed before. Um, if you're a good run defense, I just don't see you – you don't you don't give up big runs for touchdowns. And we've done that against the Colts. We did it against the Pats. We did it against the Bucks. Something's – I think it's a lack of physicality. I think it's something to do with gap integrity. Um uh, we just—I think we need to upgrade at the defensive tackle position, not just you know, not not trying to sing out star, but Ed Oliver's undersized and Jerry Hughes is—I uh, don't know what's going on with Jerry Hughes—and Edmonds is still like missing assignments and I think overshooting gaps. There's there's something definitely off, and it scares me going forward against any team that's going to be physical in the run game if we're in the playoffs. 
because I don't have confidence that we can just shut somebody down. We may we may stop them here, we may stop them there, but I think the Bills' defense is always prone to giving up that big, explosive, toxic play. Man, I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> But that's okay. What, what do you think, um, John? Because so for me, obviously he threw uh, he threw some salt on my guy Tremaine there, and he threw some salt <laughs> on on uh, on on Star and and I, I now I think real, <laughs> no, and and, that, and, that, and that's why I want you on here because I know you keep it real, and and because for me the thing is I, I can I can admit when Tremaine doesn't play his best. So John, like you know, like last game, not not this game that we just played against um, the Buccaneers, but the game prior, I felt like Tremaine didn't play his best game, game last week. Last week. But, but that's not saying he's not playing well now. I, you know, I, I didn't think he played horribly Sunday at all. Um, even the touchdown that everybody wants to say, oh, my God, like Tremaine gave up this touchdown. The game is over. It's one of those impossible plays that I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think 99 percent of the linebackers in the league could have made that play. What do you think about the defense in general, the run defense? And then even if you can kind of speak to Tremaine and, and his performance. Well, I disagree a little bit with Brian. I think we're better off with Star in there. Uh, you know, he may not be the solution long term, but we certainly miss him right now. And I, I, that's my opinion. Um, with respect to the way Tremaine's been playing, uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. I've not met a guy who's had a 17-game streak in his entire career. So there are going to be ups and downs. He still does make a couple of mistakes. And if you know, I went back because you and Joe give me homework. It's aggravating, but I went back and looked at the the final play, the touchdown play, and you know, I think the biggest issue, and I I didn't make a note whether it was Poyer or Hyde, who was a single high safety, they drew to the defense's right because Gronkowski was breaking on a um, on a on a, a deep corner route, and that's what pulled the safety away. But when I looked at it a little bit more closely, I was trying to figure out what's going through Tremaine's mind here. And for a second, I have him glimpsing into the backfield. There's no running back. So why is he not getting depth and getting into his drop? And I think that's really, I mean, it, and I talked about it last night. I mean, he's two steps away from making that play for a seven-yard gain. But I don't, I can't figure, I'm trying to riddle why he wasn't b dropping back into his curl route. You know, I felt like his depth was at about six. He stayed at about six. If he had been at eight or ten, then he'd have seen the cross, and you could tell that they were going to try and run a pick, um, and it didn't work out. There was too much depth with receivers, but he would have been in position to either take the penalty or make the tackle. But it was a hell of a play. I mean, they cleared everybody out, but Gronkowski uh, and the way the safety played it is what opened up the field. How do you look at him going for? And I know this is a little bit more in depth, and it's not. But but how do you look at him going forward? I know, um, you know, there's a lot of talk, at least in the fan base, of of like, hey, he shouldn't even get the extension. Now the Buffalo Bills they gave him the five year um, option, so we do have him for the fifth year. Uh, how do you see his play as far as you know, in comparison to other guys around the league? Is he somebody that you would extend that? you know that you would want to extend or is he somebody that you're like i still haven't seen enough i know he's young but i'd rather you know do the fifth year if he doesn't do it we can draft or try to bring somebody in for free agency well i think pretty soon he's gonna have his 21st birthday right <laughs> <laughs> no I, I keep him i like him i don't know what you guys think but i i think you stay with the guy well you know what i think what do you think charlie 
Oh yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that. I mean, I know they're. I'm. I'd be stunned if they didn't keep them. So I, you know, not that I'm in their head, but I can't see them not keeping them. And I, you know, I want to keep them too. I, I, you know, at some point the whole he's young thing has to disappear, right? And he and, but maybe that's just who he is. And and if this is who he is, he's still a pretty good player. He's not a. He's not a bad player. He's not an average player. He's a. I think he's a very good player. And and. If time stopped, development stopped right now for Tremaine Edmonds, and he never got better and he never got worse, I'd still want him on my team. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't get the Darius Leonard contract, right, where it's 19 a year. Maybe they try to keep him around 14 or 15, um, you know, put some incentives in there, kind of like they did with Milano with Milano's injuries. But, yeah, I'm keeping Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, I, I think that talk of, of getting rid of him or, or it's just it, – it's so crazy. Every little thing is just – so nitpicked and it's it's so over talked sometimes and I can't even imagine like you know back in the nineties what would happen like if social media existed in that time and I just think we just we're so passionate that we just criticize every little thing and he he's a really good player why wouldn't you want him on his on your team you know Charlie I think you're I think you're you're changing people's minds about you tonight man like you you coming with it like you coming with these takes and you on point I'm just saying what do you where you at would it be I know you you the reason why I even asked John that question is cuz you kind of threw some salt on my dude there so I had to I had to call you out specifically so what you think about Tremaine? Listen I'm not a Tremaine hater at all I think Tremaine is a good player and I agree with Charlie and John that we keep him I just think Charlie's right. We should keep him on a, a, a incentive-based contract. I don't think we should pay big money for Tremaine because he hasn't showed us that he's going to be a top two linebacker yet. But there's not that's not to say he's not going to grow into that. But at some point, we got to say you know he's not just young anymore. He's got to grow into that role sooner than later. But I say we keep him. I like Tremaine. Yeah, I'll add to this, Brian. If I had to come back and play football in this era, his position is the last position I would want on the field. There is no worse position than playing in a 4-2 as a linebacker, and especially what they ask him to do out, out in space like that. The problem, is, the problem is when he does great stuff, you don't even see it because it just sort of disappears. And then he comes up and he makes a, a great play, and we, you know, we all get excited. But he adds so much range into that middle secondary area that, I mean, that's just my opinion. No, I agree with him. Yeah, I agree. I agree as well. I think um, I think a lot of times and this is not a I want to be careful because I don't I don't want it to seem to seem like I'm trying to say people don't understand football or people don't watch it well. But I think a lot of times as fans who don't know, like, for instance, you played the game, John. So you you literally know that the way they teach it on the field is completely different than when we're sitting in our living room watching it. So I think a lot of times we don't understand the assignments that Tremaine Edmonds actually has. And last last season I had Lorenzo Alexander on uh, the chop up with me and we were talking and he basically said like, no, Tremaine's doing literally everything that the coaching staff is asking him to do. And this play here and like he, he, he broke it down for me and was like, look, I get that y'all might think that he missed the tackle here, but his assignment is that guy. And if he doesn't go for this guy, then forget this tackle that ball probably isn't even thrown where it's thrown and then Tremaine is probably giving up a 40-yard touchdown like he just explained so many different things that as a as a fan I didn't even look at from that perspective can 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 you kind of speak to that for a second John yeah I mean I think the biggest trap for fans as they watch the game um two things uh, the the amount of education that that they're getting from everywhere now right everybody can be an expert 
but you can never replace the speed and the timing that happens on the field. And, you know, we can rewind a play. I rewind plays like six, seven, eight times. So, cause I'm trying to figure out what's the philosophy here and there. And I'm always trying to remember, put yourself back into player mode because it just doesn't translate. Like you can say, this is what you should have done, but when you're on the field, it's, it's a completely different emotional and visual and physical contextual environment. And I don't know what other way I can put it other than you, we all can see the game much better. All fans are better educated, but there are certain nuances to having been in the game that you'll never be able to incorporate into your uh, like qualitative analysis. Yeah. Go ahead, Charlie. I think you guys have something to say. Yeah, I was just going to, I was going to say I, a lot of fans I think there's different layers to football fans, right? There's some fans who just want to go to the game on Sunday and and want their team to win. And there's other fans who want to talk about the team all week. And there's other fans who want to get into the analytics and they want to watch the All-22 and and they're seeking out information. So there's all different layers of fans who are all commenting on this game. And I, I think the one thing is, is that, as as John said, and obviously John knows, football is very nuanced. I would encourage everyone to go look at the all 22 and I'm not saying like you're going to be able to see it the way way John would or the way Eric Turner from cover one would that's not what I'm saying but it opens up your mind kind of to all the different things and I think Tremaine's length does take away certain plays in the middle of the field but you don't see that because first of all the broadcast angle is pretty terrible I, they'll never change it but it's awful you can't really see anything when it comes to being down the field or even at the line of scrimmage so there's a lot of things that happen that he's going to take away and you're not going to realize, okay, this guy didn't throw it there because Tremaine is there and because he has this huge wingspan. And, and I'm, and I'm not saying like you can just watch all 22 and suddenly understand assignments. The only way you're going to understand an assignment is if you're in the locker room or on the coaching staff, but there's ways where I think we can really appreciate the game and the nuances if we seek out more education and and that's what I try to do. I don't know a lot about football, but I try to talk to people who know more than me. And if you don't want to do that as a fan, that's totally fine. Everyone can be a fan in any way they want. But what I'm saying is, is we have just, we have different layers of fans and football is super nuanced and not every fan cares. They just want to tell you how they feel. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. I, I go, I go with that take hundred percent, 10 times out of 10. I saw John shaking his head as well. Uh, Triggs, shout out to Triggs again. Our linebackers are built for the pass and not the run. Brian, let me have you jump in on that and kind of like, is that how you feel about the linebackers? Do you think they're built for the, the pass and not the run? Because it, it seems like that's what we're getting beat is, is by running teams. I don't think, I don't think the linebackers are just built for the pass only. I disagree with that. I, I just think we need maybe to keep our linebackers more clean, you know, keep, the bigger blockers off of these guys. You know, you think back to where Ray Lewis played with guys like Saragusa, and, you know, these guys just were behemoths, and they just occupied two offensive linemen at a time where Ray Lewis could just run free. Tremaine doesn't usually get that. He's got to fight off a block. Matt Milano's undersized. He's got to fight off blocks. So I don't think it's that they, they can't they can't defend the run. I think they just need some more help from the trenches. Yeah, yeah. I see. I saw John shaking his head there as well. Did you have something there, or you, you were just in agreement? Um, I'm, I love it. I think it's great, Brian. I think that's a great take. My man D Money says, I think the D line is failing the linebackers. And I think I think that's really what it comes down to. And and so and, and so I'm gonna get back on schedule to the questions that I sent you guys. I'm sorry, the show went completely different. Uh but but before we do, like so we're talking about star, we're talking about this D line. 
dude, at the beginning of the season, it seemed like Groot was about to take this league by storm. Is it me or, is it, or have we been quiet about Groot? Have we been quiet this entire season about Jerry Hughes? And I know everybody's favorite thing to say about Jerry is that like, well, he gets held every single play and the refs just don't call it, which there's a little bit of truth to the fact that I feel like there's a lot of holding calls that don't seem to go the Bills way. Touche. I don't want to cause any uh, bad moments for anybody, any triggering, anything like that. But, you know, we obviously saw the the hold against Diggs didn't get caught twice we saw all this stuff happening, but this defensive line has been underwhelming. When coming into the season, Brian, uh, 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 Brandon Bean was on the broadcast bragging, saying that this is the strength of the team now, and now we were going to be dominant at the point of attack. Um, how do you see that, John? Do you see it as as, as being a strength, and um, why are we so quiet on, on this line now? I don't see us taking advantage of opportunities just to um, – Rather than play gap defense, I don't see us taking opportunities to kind of take an edge on running down, so to speak, and try to be disruptors in the backfield. We're 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 playing a little too much catch and read, and I just don't think we're built for that. I think we'd be better off with a little bit more kind of aggressive hitting gaps to stop the run. And again, I mean, if you have Star in there, maybe he's doing a Hamilton where he's grabbing one guy and grabbing another guy and hoping to get away with it and keeping the linebackers clean. But I just don't think we're going to do well just facing up guys and taking them man to man. I think we got to take some angles and hit some shoulders. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Let's move on from the defense. Let's move on from it because I don't want to be Wait, one last up. point, I think- though. I do Go think that in pass rush, our defensive ends. They're just there's a lack of creativity in the rush. I mean, I can't I can't look at any one of these guys other than Hughes and know what their signature move is. I just don't see like what 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 move are they working? I see a lot too many guys just rushing into tackles and guards and doing this and then trying to make a move. That's too late. You're done. That's a dream so as an offensive lineman. So in your estimation, is that a is that a coaching thing or is that you know the players kind of not? Like, like, where do you, and I don't want to say blame, but in, I guess, yeah, where do you want to place the blame for that? I don't know. I mean, I know that even I coach offensive line in high school, and when I watch the defense, I coach the defensive ends. I'm like, you can't just run into the guy. You're not going to get anywhere. You got you to gotta have a move. You got to watch TV, watch somebody's move, make it, fake it, keep it up, and, and just keep going. But if you run into me, I'm, I'm on holiday. You run straight into me like that and give me your breastplate. And I just don't see the creativity. I think they have the skill. I just don't see it. Is it, are they not being freed up to do it? It's not coaching because at this time in the season, you're not getting full speed one-on-one reps and working your moves. This stuff had to have been established in the first, in training camp and in the first four weeks of the season when they might still actually be doing one-on-one pass. Yeah. Shout out again to Triggs. Triggs says, we don't have an X-factor disruptor on this defensive line. Rousseau will become that maybe two, three years down the line. But until then, we need a guy that can be that now. The thing is, I, I kind of agree that, with that, man. I, I feel like um, I, I do think Greg Rousseau is going to be that guy. I think I think Boogie is going to be a beast, too. It, it's beyond me why he and, that, and I'm, I'm not the team. I'm not the coaches, so I can't speak to why he's not active. Uh, but yeah, Jerry just hasn't been been. I think Daryl said earlier in the comments um, that you know he's the best almost sack guy in the league. Like he's always rated high at you know QB pressures. But to me, that doesn't make sense because to me, QB pre- if I pressure the quarterback, that means I'm disrupting the play. And a lot of times, it's like yeah, Jerry's almost there. Oh, 
caught for a first down and did more. That's not pressure to me. That that just means you made the quarterback kind of run a couple steps outside the pocket to the right. Uh, Brian, before we move on from this topic, why don't you um, kind of give your take on that or, or kind of, you know, how do you feel about that? I, I Well, Jerry Hughes, to me, I, I he was always, to me, a, kind of more of a role player. And he, he probably built his reputation of playing with Mary Williams, Kyle Williams, and Marshall Darius. I mean, the cold front we had back then. That was a lethal line, but Jerry as the number one guy. He's not a, he's not a Von Miller, you know. He's not a. I'm getting the Bears pass rush right now. Um, but he's not. He's not one of those guys. Rousseau's young. I still. I, I still think he needs some time to develop some moves. But I agree with John. A lot of these guys don't seem to have any moves when they come to attack the offensive line. If you look at that Miami Dolphins game we played, and you watch Epinesa in that game, he put out a plethora of moves on the offensive line. But we haven't seen that after that game. So. I, I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's a combination of coaching and the players, but something's something's definitely off. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, let's let's pivot. We we um we're running out of time, and I know uh you know John is a superstar out here in in the Arizona area, so I want to make sure we we keep him to his schedule. Uh, but let's talk about this offense a little bit. Let's switch to the offense. So, um, speaking of creativity, because John was talking about the lack of creativity on the defensive line and how the, the defensive linemen just don't seem to have creativity out there. Offensively, that's been a complaint from a lot of us for a long while. Uh, this Sunday, it looks like they kind of got some creativity back. One of the things that I've been asking for was to get Isaiah McKenzie involved in the offense, not necessarily back on special teams again, but but on the offense. Last season, Isaiah McKenzie was a big part of the offense. He was a, a, a special part of the offense. We saw him come back. And then one of the plays that I sent to you, John, was was um, that third quarter, 19-yard or 18-yard uh, quarterback. I don't want to call it a sweep or a, whatever. Whatever it was, Josh Allen scored, running to the left side. Isaiah McKenzie was in the backfield with him. And it looked like the defense froze up because of Isaiah McKenzie. Am I a genius, or should he just be involved a little bit more on offense because it seems like defenses are scared of him? Uh, no and yes. <laughs> I'm a genius, man. I'm just saying. Come yeah, on, I, I mean, do it on Madden, and I win the Super Bowl. Well, oh, there you go. I mean, you're a genius. <laughs> so, again, I did my homework. I went back and I watched that particular play like, you know, 14 times. And, look, that was – you get – that's action, right? Those were those linebackers were responding to the the split back action going to the defense's left. Um, forty five took a step and a half or two, and forty three the 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 safety he took about three steps. And I started thinking, is that any different than any other linebacker gets fooled a little bit on counter action? The answer is no. Do I want to see McKenzie more involved in the offense? Yes, but. I don't think it really had a huge effect. It was just, and it was also a very well blocked play. Well, that doesn't happen too often this year, huh? Like, no, it, you want to put the, digs the on the O line? We're going, we're going fisticuffs. Well, yeah, I don't want to see that. Not one bit. Not one bit. Uh, but so, okay, so to piggyback off this conversation, so um, it wasn't Isaiah McKenzie. Jo it was a good design play, and Josh Allen was being Josh Allen. Sunday, Look, I know he's not going to be at the top of the list for a lot of people. And I'll start with Charlie on this one. I know he's not going to be at the, t the top of the list for a lot of people right now when it comes to like the MVP voting and, and when it comes to like, and that's fine. If he doesn't get the award, whatever. Sunday was damn sure an MVP type of performance. And if you don't agree, argue with yourself. It was a great performance by Josh Allen. 
Charlie, talk to me, man. And because I know there's moments that that it, as as we all should have been, we've been critical of Josh. And I've come out and said, hey, it's too many interceptions this year, just too many, you know, turnovers. How, how do you feel about this performance this Sunday, man? Um, you know, I will say that the second half, and and maybe I have recency bias, but I feel like the second half of that game was one of the best quarterback performances I've seen maybe in a few years. And and I don't want to sleep on the first half either because I think in the first half there wasn't quite as much blitzing as I thought, but I think Josh made a real concerted effort to sort of do do what we all kind of wanted him to do for a long time against the blitz, and that's replace the blitzer with the ball. And I thought he did a great job of hitting some quick outlets, getting the ball out quick. And the first half was really just a story of, execution we got down in the red zone a few times and and we just kind of blew up and didn't do anything so I think you the first half was pretty good too but the second half I think was outstanding uh it was an MVP type performance and quite frankly he I think he should be an MVP candidate again uh my analytics company does a little tracking on this and right now I think I have him third or fourth in the race I think you know Brady has been statistically the leader of the entire season. His season is pretty crazy. And Josh Allen's right on the same pace that he was last year. And I thought last year that Josh should have been the MVP. The only difference in stats between him and Aaron Rodgers was that Rodgers had a couple more touchdown passes. That's it. Aside from that, they were neck and neck. Um, You know, I think Josh Allen should get strong consideration this year for the MVP. I don't think he'll win it because of Brady, but that second half and even with the first half, I think it was an outstanding performance and maybe – Possibly or maybe even obviously the best one of his career. Well, let me ask you this, Brian, because the offense. So last year, the, the offense seemed to be like really, really um, just just prolific, man. And and I don't know if it's that we surprised some people. I don't know if it is, you know, people weren't really expecting that from Josh or what. But it, we came out and it seemed like we were just doing it every time down. We would we would do what we needed to do. Now, it it seems like we lose we're losing some trust with the coaching staff too they're not even trusting them those guys on fourth and short we punted the ball on fourth and two um i saw some t- on our side of the field or very close to midfield where again last year we would have gone for it um i'm seeing that our red zone offense isn't performing up to up to par uh so with this mvp performance from josh there's still deficiencies on this offense what do you how do you see it or what do you see that needs to be the correction at this point going forward from now to get us to February? Well, I mean, some of the things I think can't be corrected in during the season, like with the offensive line. And I know Phoenix talked about this and it's not all on the offensive line. They haven't played completely poorly in every game. There are, there are games where Josh just holds the ball too long. Um, I don't know if that's a table thing with throwing up deeper plays and Josh is unwilling to check it down. But um, I think Gabe Davis was a big part of why the offense looked a little more like last year's offense in this game. When when Mandy Sanders went out with the injury, it seemed to me like they just turned on a switch and it was literally Gabe Davis, Cole Beasy, and Stephon Diggs again when it feel like they were last year when Josh was lights out. I don't know how much that has to do with it, but to me that looked like obvious. I think Gabriel Davis needs to be the number two guy going forward. Yes, he could still rotate Manny in if he's healthy. But uh, I think he brings something to the offense that Emmanuel Sanders doesn't. First of all, his size. He's probably a little quick, quicker footed now that Manny's getting a little older, and he's better in run blocking than Emmanuel Sanders too. So I think that's what we need to do going forward for the offense. Man. 
just the second time tonight I disagree with you, Brian. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, man. You know, <laughs> you know what I Well, no. So, well, I don't disagree fully because I, I I agree that that Gabriel Davis should probably be way more involved than he has been up to this point. But the thing is, I don't I don't see what everybody's not seeing with with Emmanuel Sanders. I know he hasn't gotten the targets. I know he hasn't, you know, so the completions haven't been there for a few games now. We've had a stretch there, but it's not for lack of effort or it's not because of lack of skill. He's still mm-hmm. very, very good at his age. He's still very, like, he he can he can burn the top. Like, he could, like, take the top off of a defense. And we saw it early in the season. He was our best receiver for a couple games there. You know, like, mm-hmm. it, with, it, without the, the performance of Emmanuel Sanders, a couple of those early games we wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right. so I just I just don't know if I, I if I agree what I think what I think needs my my opinion and we'll get John's take on this. My take on it is that we need to see more of it where all of those guys are involved. I want to see Cole get a certain number. If 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 Josh is going to throw it, I think he threw what fifty four times Sunday. If Josh is going to throw the ball fifty times, I need to see Diggs get ten to twelve of those, and yep. I need to see the rest of those guys getting six to eight every single like like and not every guy, but I'm saying like I need Sanders to get eight. I need Beasley to get eight. You know, like these guys need to get targets. They're not going to catch every ball, but we have we have the type of weapons on this roster as wide receivers. And even Dawson Knox, we forget him as a tight end um, when we talk about the receiver position, but he's out there, man. He's making plays. I need to, I need these guys to get targets, man. And, and Emmanuel Sanders, I don't care how, I don't care how dangerous of a, of a weapon you are. We saw with my man Odell Beckham Jr. This weekend, you know, when he was in Cleveland, he, everybody wanted to blame it on him. And again, there are things that Odell Beckham Jr. Does that, that probably affects that offense out there in Cleveland. But Odell Beckham Jr. out here now, he, he scored three touchdowns since he's left. The guy needs targets. Baker still, I think he threw two touchdowns to wide receivers since Odell left. It's not Odell Beckham Jr.'s. Fast, come over to Buffalo now. We have receivers like that. Emmanuel Sanders is that dude when he gets targets, man. We need to get him some targets. Do I, am I wrong? Am I wrong with this, uh, John? I see you down there kind of with your – I see the wheels turning. I don't know. I mean, it's it, – no offense to you or offense to you. I don't care. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I like to hear it one week to the next. Like we, we need to target Diggs. We need to target Beasley. We need to go to Sanders. So, I mean, I just can't take it. I'm like, I'm on a carousel. I just want to, I, I don't even think about it. So I'm, that's my comment. Now my, my secondary comment to something you said a little bit back was what's going on in the red zone. To me, that's the real emergency that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, they're either predictable or they are, not creative right or both so i know there was big talk of that in the early 90s when i arrived was the difference uh, between the previous offense coordinator and the current was there was no special package against the team that we were playing in the red zone and we started to become predictable and again without being in the planning room and you know the game plan for this week game was done last week right they've already been working on it so whatever's there is there now, but I th- I think that's they need to solve that problem. That's a huge glaring problem. Red zone. Yeah, the red zone, and that was I guess that was where I was going with Isaiah McKenzie earlier because I feel like last season um, he was one of the most dynamic playmakers when it came down to the red zone. You know, and even if he wasn't actually, I mean, he scored touchdowns, but even if it wasn't for the touchdowns that he was scoring, he absolutely made defenses account for where he was because they knew how. Um, you know, just just how much of a gadget player that he was for us. And I don't mean that in the neck. I know a lot of times people think gadget is a negative term. I look at it like 
yeah, we can plug him anywhere on the field when we're in the red zone and he makes something happen. So, you know, but yeah. Hey, gentlemen, thank y'all, man. We got to do a round two of this because I feel like this hour actually went by a whole lot faster than what I'm used to. So I would love to get y'all back on and do this again um, soon, like real soon. I got somebody next week. Maybe we can run this back the week after with the same three guys and and kind of get the, get the conversation going a little bit further. Uh, so if that's okay with y'all, let's schedule it. Let's make that thing happen. Because first me. of all, I love John, first of all. You're the only one. <laughs> Brian, it was great doing the show with you, Charlie. I, I love your insights. You know, players sometimes forget about some of the, the benefits coming from the analytics side. And, you know, you look at things um, in, a, in a different light and it, it sort of gives me a little bit of reevaluation of how I view the game. So it's a pleasure having you uh, give your insights. And uh, as always, King, it's awesome hanging out with you. Thank you, man. And, oh, and, 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 and Joe thing. told me I have to plug my show on your show. So, don't forget, on Monday nights, the Off Tackle with John Fina show with your guest host, actually consistent host, Joe the Man Miller. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I normally give you at the end of the show, I'm like, tell everybody where they find you and what time is your show, but you did it. I'm still going to give you that shot because you got everything going on. You got a lot. Uh, but I want to agree with you about Charlie. Look, I know a lot of times, because I'm, I'm part of the, you know, we, we have fun on Twitter and we go back and forth, but I, I want you to know, man, like you're a big part of the community. I enjoy what you do. I enjoy what you talk about and you make it interesting for us. So keep doing what you do, man. We got to get you back on here. So why don't you do the same thing that, that John just did and let everybody know where they can find you when your show is are live and and uh what network you're on and everything all that good stuff okay i am a member of the built in buffalo network i do a podcast on wednesday called halftime adjustments uh you can find me on twitter at charlie underscore gross underscore uh you know please check out the whole built in buffalo network they we do youtube shows you know lots of podcasts facebook instagram all that stuff um and yes i have an analytics company called trust the process analytics I do draft analytics and in-season analytics. You can find that on Twitter at TTP underscore analytics. And I appreciate the kind words from John and Spence. I appreciate you having me on and also the kind words from you as well. And Brian, it was nice to meet you. John, it was nice to meet you as well. All right, buddy B, you know what time it is, man. Let everybody know what the deal is. Excuse me. Uh, I'm not even sure I know my Twitter handle. I believe it's B-E-Z oh, underscore four. <laughs> that's, that's where you can find me talking, talking all day on on Twitter and um and all the chats for um you know from Buffalo Rumblings to to uh John, John Fina and Joe Miller show to you know the Hump Day Hotline. I'm I'm just I'm in every show, every chat. You guys you guys know who I am. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank all three of these gentlemen for joining me. Uh, and again, like Brian said, the Hump Day Hotline tomorrow with my main man, Joe Miller. It's been a while. It's been a minute. And I can't wait to get back in there with him tomorrow. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put this this past Sunday's game to bed. And then we're going to look forward to this this next game where we have to win. We have to get this W. So, uh, hey. Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. And everybody, y'all know how I do it over here with this Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. It's your boy, Jay Spence the King. And you can find me on Twitter at Jay Spence the King. Y'all know what to do. Love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.